Amen. Well, good evening, Oceans family. I'm not Pastor Alex, <laughs> but he did ask me to take the service tonight, so I just honor you and appreciate you so much. He will be here tomorrow morning, both in the 9 and the 11 a.m. service, and I really believe God has spoken to him with a powerful word, and I promise you he's going to move in this place tomorrow. So don't skip church because you're just going to hear about it, and that's not near as fun as being here. Can I get an amen? All right. So if you guys wouldn't mind just receiving me as an extension of his ministry rather than a replacement in his absence as a spiritual son, that's the greatest honor that I could ever receive, and I would be more than thankful to each and every single one of you in this place tonight. But we're going to get right into it. I told myself I was going to stay on my notes tonight. It's not funny. <laughs> I promise I'm going to stay on my notes tonight. Um, <laughs> okay, I promise I'm going to attempt <laughs> to stay on my notes tonight. But I really do feel, I, I believe I have a word from the Lord. I pray that revelation would come tonight in Jesus' name. And I want to talk tonight about dead faith. We can only be saved by faith in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. You cannot put your faith in finances. You cannot put your faith in things. You cannot put your faith in other religions. You can't put your faith in good deeds. Your charitable lifestyle and your volunteering at the soup kitchen will not gain you access into the kingdom of God. Your great big offering will not gain you access into the kingdom of God. A right frame of mind and thinking positively and just loving on people, as good as that is, will not gain you access to the kingdom of God. The only way that we have salvation, eternal security, is having faith in Jesus Christ and Him alone. Can I get an amen? So faith is that with which we believe, right? But works is that in with which we do. Okay? So faith, I have faith that at some point from January 1st, 2024 to December, is there 30 or 31 days in December? Is it 31? Thank you. So to December 31, thank you, 2024, in, in the next year, I have faith that it will rain in Florida. <laughs> Are you with me? Come on, at a very elementary level, faith is that with which we believe. Okay, me taking my dumpster, my trash can to the road is therefore my works. <laughs> I know, just go with me. Is that all right? We're going to get there. But that's what I do. Washing the car is my works. That's with which I do. Praying is that with which I do. Fasting is that with which I do. Painting walls is that with which I do. But faith is that with which I believe. What do you believe? 
The word says that these signs will follow those who the problem in large is that we have a church that in a lot of places they've flipped the script on that scripture and it's no longer these signs will follow those who believe but rather those who believe follow these signs my faith in what I believe causes a natural reaction of what shall follow so if my faith is in who and I have my faith in him that faith shall cause a natural reaction of something that should follow in other words my faith should not be rooted in what is should be following me and the minute that we put our faith in that with which is following all of a sudden when that with which is following we don't see it no more our faith begins to rock a little bit. Is everybody all right? Dead faith. Dead faith. So faith is that with which we believe and our works is that with which we do. Let's go to Romans 9 and 30. Romans 9 and 30, it says, What shall we say then? That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained to righteousness, even the righteousness of faith? But Israel, pursuing the law of righteousness, has not attained the law of righteousness. Why? Because they did not seek it by faith, but as it were, by the works of law. For they stumbled at the stumbling stone. Verse 32, I'm going to read it again. Why? Why did Israel not attain the law of righteousness? Because they did not seek the law by faith. They did not seek righteousness by faith. They, they sought after it by works. What I do, my prayer, my seasons of fasting and sacrifice, my big offering, painting the church walls and helping out with winter wonderland. <laughs> and I'm not preaching to Oceans Unite Christian Center because everybody that's here tonight and on Sunday mornings glows in the dark and you guys are amazing. This is for your friend. Can I get an amen? So I'm not preaching at you. I'm, I'm just helping you to help your, your buddy. Is that all right? But we can sometimes get so caught up in our religious day-to-day that we begin to put more faith in what we do rather than who it is who saved us. Romans 10 and three says, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness and seeking to establish their own righteousness have not submitted to the righteousness of God. So Paul is explaining here why Israel was failing to attain salvation in this way. First of all, they were pursuing salvation, not by faith, but as it were by their mere works. Everybody okay so far? Faith is what we believe, works is in which what we do. So they were pursuing their salvation, not by what they believed, but rather by what they did. They sought to establish their own righteousness, some obligatory act, some form of religious prayer, fasting, charity work, all of this, hoping that it would grant them access into heaven. But unfortunately, that's not biblically true. 
It's just not. Paul emphasizes this a little bit more in Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2 and verse 8. It says, for by grace, everybody say, by grace. By grace, you have been saved through faith. Faith is that with which I believe. Works is that with which that I do. So Paul says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. Through faith in what? Christ Jesus and him alone. And not that of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not works, lest anyone should boast. And I really like that they put that in there because let's be honest, our our human nature is pretty wicked. And the reality is, is if it was how many walls I painted and how many lights I could fix and how big my offering was or how long I could pray or how many days I fasted, I would get a little prideful in my own religious acts and I would begin to boast in the fact that I got to heaven because look what I did. Do you know who I am? Let's be honest. Can can we be vulnerable here? If, if, If it was really up to us and we gained it on our own, we'd get real prideful in it in a hot second. It wouldn't take us long and we'd begin to boast about how how anointed we are. (laughs) Do you know how long, you know how many days a year I fast? (laughs) You understand what I'm saying? And Paul is saying, it's the gift of God, not your works. It's the gift of God, not your works. Romans 6 and 23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. But wages and gift are polar opposites (laughs) because wages speak of that with which you earn and gift is something that is free. Charisma, where we get the Greek word charis or charis, there's an H. I don't know, I'm not Greek but it's grace. It's this free gift. What are you doing with that free gift though? (laughs) See, wages is like this. If you go to work and you work your 30 hour or 40 hour, some people 50, 60, 70 hours a week, I don't know what your work is, but based off of your work and what you do and how long you do it, you get a wage or, you know, paycheck. But your paycheck is determined based off of what you do. We're getting somewhere. Don't worry. I know it's a slow start. We're just, we're wading through the mud. It'll get clearer in a minute. But you get paid for what you do. And you get paid based off of the amount of what you do. That's your wages. If you go to work and you do nothing and you sit on your phone all day, your boss is liable to not pay you what you think you're worth. (laughs) Amen? But that with which I do, I can get a wage from that. So he says, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. So there is only one way to the Father, and that's through Christ Jesus and Him alone. And there is nothing you can do. There is no way you can twist His arm. There is no way that you can sow yourself into the kingdom. It does not work that way. It's Jesus Christ and Him crucified. He is the one and the only way into the kingdom of God. 
That's a free gift. That's, the, that, that's your one get out of jail free card. And it's a precious gift. And we dabble with it if we're honest. So where does works come into this? Because Jesus, you know, he paid it all. And um, because he paid it all, you know, I don't need to worry about what I do tomorrow because, you know, I'm going to mess up anyways. So if I'm going to mess up anyways, I might as well just live how I want. Where, where does works come in on this? Because the danger of, of, of faith and works and, and how does this mingle together is you have one side of the camp that's flirting with the hyper grace side of the camp that says, Jesus did it all. He paid the whole price. He did it all for me so I can live how I want. I can do how I want and ain't nothing going to change. I'm going to live one foot in the world and one foot in the church and I'm going to sing hallelujah and cuss with the same potty mouth. But then, but then, but then, but then we have the other side which is the hyper-religious, and if you're not praying and you're not fasting and you're not doing X, Y, and Z enough amount of times, you're not going to make it and you're not going to get close enough to God. Right? Can we bring a balance here? So there's two sides to this camp, and where, where do we need to be in the middle of it? Should we even have to worry about works as believers? Should works still be within the church? You're jumping, you're, just, you're giving away my sermon. <laughs> Do we even need to worry about them anymore? Let's go to the book of James. One of my favorite books in the Bible. The youth know it well. It's the do it book, isn't it? If I can say this and not sound too familiar with the Bible, it, I like James because James is like the, he's the like, put your, put your money where your mouth is guy. Don't just talk the talk. Let's walk the walk. So, so I like the book of James. Let's, let's read it. Because he, he just comes out swinging here in verse 18. James 2, verse 18, he says, But someone will say, You have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith without your works, and I'll show you my faith by my works. Just, I mean, just comes out swinging. You believe that there is one God and you do well. Even the demons believe and tremble. Now, I have my own interpretation of that scripture. I won't give it tonight. But in essence, he's saying that we believe the same thing. We both believe that there's one God, but I just want to let you know that demons also believe that there's one God and they're also afraid of him. I'll let you interpret that how you will. Okay, verse 20. But... Do you want to know, O oh foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith was made perfect and the scripture was fulfilled, which says Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness and he was called the friend of God. You see, then that a man is justified by works and not by faith only. Likewise, was not Rahab the harlot also justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out another way? For as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. 
James gives us some illustrations here. And I was honestly, I was going to go back and I was going to read the story of Abraham for those that maybe aren't super familiar with it. But for the sake of time, I'm just going to paraphrase. And I hope that it just instills a godly curiosity in you if you don't know what I'm talking about and you'll go and study it this week. But just trust me in that I'm paraphrasing it semi-accurately. Is that okay? Amen. Okay, so Abraham was like the father of faith, right? Like we can glean so much information whenever it comes to Father Abraham. He was like the man of faith. And he lived a really awesome life and had some amazing miracles happen within his life, even though it was kind of littered throughout his life of making some mistakes, which gives me a lot of hope that somebody of that great amount of faith can still make a mistake and God still loves them and God still calls them a friend. But even from his call in Genesis 11, it was, it was just littered with faith. And then in Genesis 15, of, of God promising him and his wife a child, if you don't know, Sarah was, well, Sarah was, was past the age of childbearing. Many scholars say that Sarah, was a, Sarah and Abraham were around 90 to 100 years old. But yet, he had faith to believe that God would provide the promise that he promised. He said, I will give you a son. And we see that son take place and Sarah conceives and they have a child in Genesis 21. Somebody say, you got to do something. Sarah was around 90. Abraham was around 100, give or take. We got children. I'm trying to keep it PG. Faith without action is, I'll leave it. We'll talk about something else. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? I'm trying to, we got kids in here tonight. There has to be a response. Watch this. It's really easy though to respond when you're believing for a promise or a blessing in your life. But this is where I love Abraham because Abraham takes it a whole nother step because not only did him and Sarah believe for a promise and a great blessing, but he also had faith even when God said, right, I've now given you the blessing and the promise. Now I want it. That's a whole nother sermon for a whole nother day. But we can all have faith when we're getting something out of it, but it's a whole different ball game and we're having a whole different conversation when we're no longer getting something out of it and we gotta take the very thing that God promised us, the very blessing that we, we trusted and had faith for and we take it up on the altar to kill it. It's okay, it's another sermon for another day, but are you, are you picking up what I'm putting down? His faith caused a response. Rahab is a sinful Canaanite woman and God is busy. He's ready to judge this place. And Joshua sends two men in through and she quite possibly saw or heard, maybe not saw, I'm sure she heard about it. Most definitely she heard about it. The Exodus from Egypt. And she believed that this God that these guys serve could save her and her family from the imminent doom that was coming to the city. 
And, she, and jo Joshua sent these two men and she brought them into her household, risking her life and risking her family's life to save them. This is the summarized version of Rahab. Is that okay? Am I doing okay with it so far? Fairly accurate? Okay. And God saved them. But see, her faith to believe that the same God that delivered them from Egypt and from Pharaoh was the same God that would deliver her from the imminent doom that was coming to her city. But her faith caused her to do something. See, our faith is in that with which we believe and our works is that with which we Okay, we'll just, we'll get there. James sums it up like this, verse 26. Can we put verse 26 of James chapter 2 back up on the screen for me for just a moment? It says, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. Okay, so we are a tripart being. We are a spirit, we're a soul, and we're a body. And, and I apologize for the graphicness of this potentially. I know some people are sensitive with death, but for the illustration purposes, it says, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead also. So we are a spirit, a soul, and a body. When we die, our spirit leaves our body. Everybody good so far? So we could read this differently as, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so a body without a spirit is really just a corpse. Everybody good so far? So let's talk about a corpse. And again, I apologize for the graphicness of this, and it's not necessarily the nicest thing to discuss in church, but there's a beautiful revelation wrapped up in it, if you just bear with me. A dead body can't respond to anything highs, lows, the good times or the bad times. It's just dead. I have a weird mind. <laughs> I studied biology in college, but one thing you'll know about a dead body is the cells within the body don't multiply anymore. <laughs> when a body dies, there's no more growth. Something that is dead, it can't do any longer. And so we bury it to get rid of it because it, it no longer carries a function. For as the body without the spirit is dead, and he's giving the illustration to paint, a corpse that has no spirit is the same as your faith without your works. Let, We'll bring it full picture here. A body without a spirit cannot multiply. But yet an old lady and an old man can still multiply. Oh, come on. Listen, Paul was smart when he put this stuff together. See, they weren't dead. They were just elderly. <laughs> Trying to be respectful. Are you with me? But they weren't dead. So regardless of what we think, they were still able to see a dead body. Hold on. Oh, I'm ready to jump and shout with you, but just we'll get there. A dead body cannot grow. 
Faith without works is dead also. <laughs> See, faith without works is a faith that isn't growing. Faith without works is a faith that isn't multiplying. Faith without works is a faith that is no longer alive. It's complacent Christianity at its best. Seat warmer Christianity at its best is dead faith. And James is saying, put your money where your mouth is because if you really believe, these signs and wonders shall, like a puppy dog on a leash, are you with me? A dead body can't respond. A dead body can't grow. But I don't think you have a dead faith. I think you got a faith that is alive, that's growing, that's multiplying, that's, that's breeding new every day. Oh, I like James. See, it changes our perception when you say things like, you know, you're the only Bible that somebody will ever read. Can we do a social experiment real quick? Just real quick. It's okay, I rushed through a little bit, so we got time. Here's what I wanna do real quick, just to drive this home, because what we do is so important. And believers in large, not at Oceans, listen, you guys are perfect. You guys glow in the dark. Listen, we had what, 200 people, 150 people at prayer this morning? It was, can I use a youth term and say it was lit in here? I mean, this place was on fire. It was awesome. Okay, so, but, but hear me out, hear me out. Do me a favor, okay? I want everybody to close your eyes for just a moment. Okay, just, just hear me out on this. Now, I want you to visualize, no, don't worry, this is not some new age weird practice. This is literally just an illustration, okay? Just, amen, all right. Close your eyes and I want you to think for just a moment about a mo your mother or your father, or if you don't have a mother or a father, a, a fatherly or motherly figure in your life that was very influential. And I want you to visualize them for just a moment. I'll give you just a couple seconds, think about them, okay? Everybody got it? Say amen. All right, so you know who you're thinking about. Now, that same individual, if I was to ask you right now, while you still have your eyes closed and you're still focusing on them and not watching me pace, if I was to ask you to, in 30 seconds, figure out a way to describe their personality, their character, and who they are, I want you to take 10 seconds and think about what you would say. Think about the actual words. Like, what would you actually tell me if I was to walk up to you and hand you a mic and say, describe your mother or father? Don't worry, I'm not actually gonna do it for the three or four youth members that are very nervous right now. <laughs> Think about it. How would you describe their personality? How would you describe their character? Okay, open your eyes for just a moment. Everybody got it? Say amen. Okay, so you know how you would describe this individual in your life, their personality, their character, who they are. So my mother loved puzzles. You know, like, I guess people don't really do puzzles anymore, do they? Anyways, I grew up in a household where we would eat on the couch because the kitchen table had a puzzle on it. Are you with me? That kind of puzzle, not Sudoku or whatever, like the ones where you put the pieces of the image together and make it all fit, the jigsaw stuff. She loved puzzles. She was an amazing woman. She was really, really good at cooking fantastic at cooking. I'm describing my mother. Is this okay? 
She had the most beautiful smile. And even on a bad day, she would laugh and joke and cut up with you. I think that's probably where I get it from. She was amazing. Now, I just described my mother not off of what she said. How would you describe your loved one that I just had you think about? Come on. Would you describe them based off of what they do or would you describe them based off of what they say? Some of you, it's both. Praise God, we got people who are just real and true. But let's be honest. What people do is a longer lasting effect than what people say. So I'll show you my faith by my works. That changes the script, that flips the script on it. Now all of a sudden, I'm gonna live my life and I'm gonna walk my walk based off of what I believe. And you don't have to ask me if I'm a Christian. My lifestyle should just answer the question for you. Are you with me? <laughs> Little social experiment. I did it earlier this week and I had a 100% success ratio, but I only did it with two, so. <laughs> Guess it's not a very big testing body. So what you're doing is actually sometimes more important than what we say. Because as believers and Christians, sometimes we can get really good at saying the right things and we got the wrong heart. And we can say the right things and we got one foot in the world and one foot in the church and we're busy teeter-tottering on the edge, on the threshold of breakthrough and just falling apart. And you know, sometimes it just takes that moment where we just do and we step in and just believe God for what he is and what he says he is and what he'll do, whether we see it or whether we don't. Because I don't see a rain cloud right now, but I promise you I got faith, it will rain. Are, are you with me? I don't need you to convince me that in South Florida, we're gonna get precipitation, even if I don't see it. So I don't need you to convince me that we will see revival. Are, are you with me? And then that changes my response when I'm sitting in a prayer meeting at Saturday morning and I've been feeling it in my spirit all week and I've been preparing a message on revival and then I hear Pastor Alex say, we're coming into a season of revival. See, it changes my response because my faith was already there and then I hear that and it confirms it and I just want to explode. That's why when people shout and they clap and they get loud, it's just because their spirit is just like, They're not just, you know, expressive people. I hope it's revelation and not emotion. Amen. Let me bring a balance and then we'll close. You guys okay? Philippians 2 and 12. And I'm bringing this out because if anyone leaves this place tonight feeling like they're not doing enough, you've completely missed my message. I'm in no way, shape, or form trying to put works on you. I'm trying to put relationship on you and, and inform you that works naturally follow those who are in love with Jesus. That's all. That's all. You have a living, loving relationship with God. The works just happen. Nobody asked me to serve when I got saved. I showed up and said, hey, boss, what do you need? Y'all look really busy, and I've got two free hands. I didn't ask for the mic. 
sure as heck didn't ask for a church. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? God, I got two hands. I believe you. Faith is that with which I believe. I believe you. Faith first. Salvation through faith. But now I got these two hands, God, let's put them to work. (laughs) Philippians 2. Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who works in you both to will and to do, to will and to do. Let me read it again. Verse 13, for it is God. Everybody say, for it is God who works in you both to will and to do. It's relationship, guys. Fall in love with Jesus. You cannot attain salvation any other way. It's Jesus Christ and him crucified. And when you fall in love with him, it's God who changes you on the inside out. Stop worrying about cleaning up the outside. Let him transform the inside and the outside will naturally just come in line with it. Watch this. Stop chasing the miracle signs and wonders and just start chasing Jesus and the miracle signs and wonders will start chasing. Jesus, you are too good. Oh, you are too good. Lord, we got a lot to be thankful for. My God, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful for grace. I'm so thankful for salvation, Lord. I pray this evening in this place tonight for every single person. God, that you would draw us closer. That you would draw us. That you would pull us. The time for living a compromising lifestyle, living one foot in the world and one foot in the church and trying to do Christianity It just doesn't work that way. We're either in or we're out. And in this place tonight, if I make this call for one person, it's worth it. But with every eye closed and every head bowed, if you're in this place tonight and you say, Pastor, you have been speaking to me and I've been living this lifestyle of trying to do it on my own and it just doesn't seem to work. I need to tell you, you are only going to get it right with Jesus. If you've been trying to make your way to salvation, you'll never get it unless you just first submit to Jesus and have faith and believe in him. Maybe you're sitting there tonight and you say, I've been living that life of one foot in and one foot out. And you say, tonight is my night. I need to make that decision to jump both feet through the threshold right on in. I want to pray with you tonight. If that's you with every eye closed and every head bowed, if that's you and I'm speaking to you, would you just lift your hand for me? I want to pray for you this evening. I see that hand. I see those hands. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. 
If that's you and you want to make that fresh start, that fresh commitment, I'm going to ask you to be bold tonight. Would you stand to your feet and come join me up here in the front? Come on, be bold. Don't be afraid. We want to pray with you. It's a new beginning. Never the same. Never the same. Come on, church. This is the greatest miracle of all, what you're witnessing right here. Be bold. Come on down. Come on down. If I could get some leaders to come stand up here with them. Anybody else? Now we're all going to pray this prayer together. It's a new day. It's a new day. Never the same. We're all going to pray this prayer together with you guys as the body. But I ask you in the front here to pray this prayer from the depths of your being. Amen. And it'll never be the same. Just fall in love with Jesus. Amen. Okay, let's pray this prayer together. Church, will you pray this with me? Say, Father, I recognize I've made mistakes. But Lord, tonight, I receive you into my heart. Jesus, I make you the Lord of my life. Holy Spirit, fill me, cleanse me, wash me whiter than snow. Father, write my name in the Lamb's book of life. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen. God bless you. There's a leader behind you. We just want to pray with you. There's a pastor right there. We just want to take a moment and pray with you. If you'll just follow him out for just a moment. Amen. Let me bless you guys. Father, I thank you for your word tonight. I thank you for salvation. I thank you for moving in this place. God's salvation is the greatest miracle of all. And I will never, we will never get complacent, God. If it's just for one, I know that all of heaven is celebrating. And we will celebrate alongside heaven in this place tonight. In Jesus' name, God bless your people as they go. And bring us back tomorrow expectant and excited to receive from you. In Jesus' name. And everybody agreed and said... Amen and amen. God bless you.